it's time to stop swinging at junk pitches and listen to the career bitches with your hosts, Anne and Marcel, your resident career bitches. Can I really say that? Your Girls Friday for advice, amazingly useful and amusing banter for anything and almost everything related to your career. What? You don't have a career right now? You better keep listening, friend, because they cut through the bullshit, the workplace drama. Now give it up for these mamas, Anne and Marcel. Good morning, Marcel. Happy Monday once again. How are you this lovely Monday? (laughs) Well, it's sunny today and it stays light, as we were just talking about, until about 9 p.m., at this time of year, so being so far north ain't so bad in the spring and summer as in the winter. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do it living. I mean, obviously, you have to live where you do because of your husband's work, career, whatever. It's not not as important as our comfort. <laughs> it exactly. No, I've we've already talked about. I never thought that sun would have to be a category for future selection purposes but that is going to be part of my decision yeah sun is important I, I i can't even even in maryland even in baltimore where i am it's not not quite sunny enough for me and this winter has been terrible so i'm just i'm just going to complain today i think about the weather because it's we can been, complain yeah it's been cold for a week like in the in the 40s i mean it's it's may it's time for spring or something. In that area, yeah, it should not be that cold. Well, today we are going to talk about pivoting, um, switching from switching careers, doing different stuff, um, reinventing yourself, and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Um, but first, let's dive into our weekly bitch. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. So. This actually is interesting because it's almost like pivoting from one time of your life to another (laughs) rather than careers, which we are going to talk about in one second. But we were complaining the other day about how you often see someone's photo or headshot on LinkedIn and then you see them on Zoom or you meet them in person and they look absolutely nothing like (laughs) the picture. And it is really jarring. And I've noticed that when you like, it's either somebody with a picture from 40 years ago or something, or their hair looks entirely different, man, you just, even if you like, don't get a professional headshot, have somebody take a nice picture of you against like a white or gray background just smile like you don't need to go get a professional headshot, but you need a newer picture. Yeah, we don't want to see I, it is jarring. And it's so strange. Like, I don't, I, I don't want to jump into a meeting with someone and, you know, have like have this you have picture in your mind of what someone looks like. And like, that's what LinkedIn is for, kind of, or any kind of social media. And then you get in a meeting and you're like, Oh, my God, this person is not you know, they're not 25, they're 50. (laughs) Um, It's totally weird. And you just reminded me of something that's actually 
not much you can do about this, but on a voice note, somebody, so somebody, um, one time, because my name is French and everyone always thinks that I like am from France or speak French, which is not true. So just anyone who was hoping so, sorry, it's not true. But I will tell you that, um, one time I talked to somebody on the phone and they, I don't know how they like learned how old I was or maybe something I said about when I graduated. And they were like, oh my God, when I saw your name on the email, I was totally expecting a little old French lady, like an 80 year old lady, because that name is not popular anymore. And I was like, "Mm, thank you. I don't know what to say. So, and that was even just with like my voice. So, I, yeah, I, you really need to be careful about your picture because you don't know what people are thinking. And we also come across the same problem with email addresses. We have actually told people to change their email address for many, many reasons. A lot of us, right, established emails like when the internet first became a thing. That's and we were like, just today, lady, yeah. <laughs> This is not okay on a, like a resume. Party girl 69 at, you know, angel fire. <laughs> yeah. Change it. Guys. It's not cool. It's not cool. And so I know that people might think that's silly, but that does stand out and is not necessarily memorable in a good way. So I would suggest that you change it if you have something funky. Yeah. And, and for any of any, anyone listening, if you're still internet dating, um, that goes for your internet dating shit too, because you don't want to be that person that posts like, you know, the best picture you've ever taken that looks nothing like you. Um, and then it's just a total shit show. If you ever end up meeting that person, I've never done that. I always posted just like selfies with like, my dirty hair and whatever. And, you know, if you don't like that, then we're not, it's just not going to work out. (laughs) Take it or leave it, bitch. That's all you get. (laughs) All right. So that's our bitch. Um, And that's, that's a good one. And I think, I really hope that everyone listening takes this to heart because um, it's important. Yeah. And just so we don't just sound like we're the only ones complaining. This came out of a conversation with other people. So it's not just us that's bothered by this. No, it's so not just us. It's a PSA for everybody. <laughs> we're here to help. So today we're going to talk about pivoting um, mostly in your career. But of course, that these days applies to other parts of your life. I keep hearing about people who have, during the pandemic, decided to just move somewhere else and just say, forget it. Like, I'm going to go work from whatever place, because I can work remotely or change jobs to live in a rural environment. Like a lot of things have changed, right, in all of our Mm -hmm. lives. And I think that um, we didn't even need a guest for today because Anne and I, but especially Anne, has done some really amazing pivoting in her career. And as we've said on a previous episode, even I am constantly learning about the things awesomely that she has done and I that I didn't even know about so hopefully we'll touch on some of those yeah but- we'll definitely do that I mean I'm like the queen of pivots I will I will pivot hither and thither <laughs> as needed but I mean you know necessity right 
sometimes you're just, you have to pivot. Um, you have a baby, you decide that the work that you're doing sucks and makes you sad. Um, you know, you move across the country and the thing that you were doing before doesn't translate, you know, to your new, to your new location, but lots of stuff. But, um, I thought we should just talk a little bit about the word pivot because it seems like we just kind of throw that around now, you know, like, oh, you know, now that we have a pandemic, suddenly everyone is pivoting to virtual, you know, remote work or virtual meetings. And um, it's almost like a term of art at this point. Don't you think, Marcel? Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think that word was used very much before. Um, and I agree. It can look like all those different things. It's sort of like, to me, it's almost like reinventing what you're doing. I think people used to only refer to it more in like a business context, right? Where it's like, oh, this thing's not working in my business. And I'd hear entrepreneurs say, okay, we're going to pivot and do something differently. And now it is really applied to people on an individual level and how they want to make work fit into their life and not the other way around. Um, so yeah. I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, yeah, I, I, I do think that's what it's kind of come to mean now, you know, how do we, how do we change and do something totally different, um, kind of in a very short period of time, right? Like it's different than, like having this big plan, like some strategic plan or like this five-year plan where, you know, everyone knows where you're going. There's, you know, a, a timeline and all of that. But pivoting usually means like something faster, something that's a little more agile, nimble. You know, what what other industry terms can we <laughs> throw out there? Um, but certainly, you know, even before pivoting was cool, I was pivoting like really like my whole career. And it started when I did not get accepted into the Naval Academy, even though I had gone through the whole process. I My grades were great out of high school. I did junior ROTC. I had a recommendation from my congressperson. I did a panel interview with a bunch of Naval officers. And the thing that sunk me no pun intended, um, <laughs> was they, the doctors at the Naval Hospital in San Diego told me, and my mom just reminded me of this. I must have blocked it out. They told me that my uterus was like weirdly shaped. Number one, not only is that not true, but that is a bullshit reason to deny someone admission to the Naval Academy. So I had to pivot right out of in the middle of my senior year of high school. And instead of, you know, becoming an officer, a naval officer and going to the Naval Academy, I enlisted in the Marine Corps and <laughs> became an enlisted Marine. Um, so that's kind of a big shift. And that that was really the start of my my, you know, my career of just kind of doing what I had to do based on kind of what was getting thrown at me or, you know, what, what 
you know, rejections or acceptances or what have you. But how crazy is that? I'm still, you know what? I, I am still kind of pissed about that. I can't, I'm like speechless because I don't even understand how that affects anything. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but. You're not? No, <laughs> I didn't pivot to that and I never will, but I admire all the doctors out there. It's just not me. Uh, but how can, I just don't even understand like medically how that can have to do with anything. So that's so upsetting on so many levels. Um, but I think it's fascinating that you were able to enlist in the Marine Corps after that, right? Which is like, right. you're like, more rigorous, but we okay. about your uterus, you know? Yeah, we'll make you do all this rigorous stuff. We don't care. <laughs> cool. Well, that worked out well. I guess. I mean, it, it worked out for sure. I mean, it definitely set me on a different path. Um, and I don't think I would have, you know, I wouldn't have ended up at NYU. I wouldn't have ended up, I may not have ended up in law school. I mean, who knows what would have happened? My life would have been completely different. But so I think that was kind of like the genesis of me just being very um, pragmatic about shit. Um, I like my, I just, I didn't want to live at home anymore. I was done. I was 18. I didn't, I was done following rules, at least my parents' rules. I just, I jumped into worse rules in the military, but <laughs> I will tell you, I was, I was a good Marine, but I was always in trouble. I was not good at following orders. I routinely would ignore things that my sergeant said and talk back and give all kinds of attitude, you know, as you do when you're 18, 19, 20. So yeah, I think when I left, when I, my, I, I was honorably discharged, everyone listening. I finished out my four years of enlistment and my four years of inactive reserve duty. But when I, when my enlistment was up, I remember spray painting my combat boots, like bright pink and like throwing them up on the telephone wires, like leaving the base in San Diego. <laughs> so that was my that was my big fuck you to uh, to the USMC at that time. I mean, now I'm happy to be a veteran, of course, you know, and grateful. Hashtag grateful, whatever to everyone who served. And I feel like I can joke about it since I, you know, lived in the dirt in combat training for a month. Um, so I, I can talk some shit. I'm allowed. Yes, you are allowed. Absolutely. So that's crazy. How did you then go from that to communications and then <laughs> law? That's where I'm trying to draw a line here and those pivots. Yeah. I mean, so I'd had this weird like fantasy um, when I was a teenager that I wanted to go into publishing. It just sounded so fancy. I wanted to work in a magazine. You know, I wanted a big office and, you know, a team of writers and, you know, all of that. It just, it sounded so glamorous. And I thought, well, a good way to do that would be to get a degree in mass media communications. And so I looked at all the schools in the country and NYU had a really great communications program. And so I applied to one school and it was NYU <laughs> and I got a scholarship and I got in um, 
in an off time. So I started in January instead of uh, in the fall. But I'd already had two years of um, community college under my belt. I got permission from my command in San Diego to go to school at night. And so the last two years that I was in the military, I was going to school, working during the day and then going to school at night. Um, And because I had, you know, pretty much a 4.0 GPA coming out of community college, it was really easy. I didn't have to take the, um, the SATs or anything. And I was able to just transfer right into NYU as a, um, as a, as a junior. So my third, in my third year. Um, but yeah, so that's why I chose communications. And I did end up working uh, for an in-print magazine in New York City, my within my first six months of moving to New York. And I, I loved it. I mean, it was crazy and kind of gross. Like we had this one room office um, in the West Village and everyone smoked like a fiend, like chain smoked all day long. Like everybody, we just like lived there. When I wasn't in class, I was in the magazine office. And I remember like, I would drive the delivery van. Like I'd drive the, you'd have to like take the the magazine down to the printer's office in Brooklyn. So I'd drive the truck, I'd drive the truck over the bridge into Brooklyn, you know, pray to God that, you know, every, you know, there were no spelling errors or like weird formatting issues. Cause once that shit is printed, you, you can't revise that. It's not like today where you have, right, Marcel, like you have a website and you can just like quickly update it if there's a mistake. If there's a mistake in a print magazine, it is there forever. <laughs> and it was terrifying, but I got to do all kinds of fun stuff. I deliver magazines. I was in photo shoots. I helped with photo shoots. I should send you pictures sometimes. I have, I did like a fashion, like a very couture photo shoot where I'm like, in this like really um, chic outfit, like on a, you know, in a, like a doorway with like cement and graffiti and stuff. It was crazy. crazy. Oh yeah. We need a collage for Instagram, I think. Oh man. It was so long ago. Talk about like not a recent photo. I should. That's okay because we're going to say it's from a different time. I'll put it (laughs) it on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'll put it on LinkedIn as a joke and see like which of our clients is like, what? <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. Yes, they learn from us. So then how tell me how you went from all of that excitement into law. No offense to lawyers. My dad was a lawyer, but it's a different path than say publishing and communications. Yeah. I mean, once so I had my taste of publishing. And it was so all consuming that I said, fuck this. I don't, I don't think I want to do this at all. <laughs> and just the, 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 the amount of kind of scrambling and backstabbing that you have to do in New York to get that fancy office, I wasn't willing to do that. That didn't sound fun at all. So I, I was like, well, what else can I do with my skills? Right. And we're going to talk about that as like part of the pivoting equation. But was like, well, I do a lot of writing and research. What else can I do if I'm good at writing and research? I know law school. It certainly wasn't medicine. <laughs> um, and that was kind of like, oh, like, do you want to be a doctor or a lawyer? And I was 
not, I mean, I was fine at science, but not like a genius where I would have gotten into medical school. Although now I kind of work in hospitals as a doula. So that's a whole separate thing. But, um, but yeah, I thought, oh, I like to research. I like to write. Law school sounds super fun. So I ended up um, applying to law school and got into, got into Tulane Law with almost a full scholarship the year of Hurricane Katrina. And so I had one week of law school under my belt. The hurricane hit. I had to evacuate. All I had was the car. And like I brought my law books and the cats and like some clothes. But the house was a total lot. There was like eight feet of water in the house. The second car, like everything was destroyed. So I ended up having to take a year off and withdraw, take a year off and reapply to law schools. And while I was doing that, um, I did property management in Chicago for a year because I'd had some kind of administrative experience um, working for an engineering company in San Diego right after I got out of the military and before I went to NYU. So I did like commercial property management at a really tall building in Chicago for a year. And then I started law school again at Loyola in Chicago. But that's, I mean, that's already like a lot of shit (laughs) before I was even 30 years old. Um, And I've done, I've done other stuff, you know, in between, like, I didn't even talk about like the bartending that I did in New York or working at that toy company, Marcel, that I think we talked about in a previous episode. But you just kind of like, you're like, well, I need, I need to pay the bills. Let's figure out what's available. Who is hiring? I'll convince you that I can do it. And maybe that's really my superpower is that I am confident in my abilities. And if I tell you that I can figure that shit out, people believe me, (laughs) even if I've never done it. And then I, and then I do figure it out um, and I make it work. But, but yeah. I think that's so interesting because like what you said is you thought about, okay, there's these aspects of publishing that I don't necessarily like and media in general. Right. But I do like the writing and research pieces, right. Which is also connected to your degree and that job and how else can I use that? And I like that you, you did, you active. It's not just like you went into something else without realizing what you liked. You said, okay, I'm good at this and I like research and writing. So what else can I do that's in a different field? And that's what drew you to law, right? So I think that's kind of an important thing to get people to think about is like, what did, you know, if you were to think about what did I, what have I done in the past that I really enjoyed in my job? Like what pieces, even if it was toxic and I hated it or the hours were terrible, like was there a part of that that you really liked? And even if it's like, I don't know, public speaking or just like working with clients or something basic, those things can be applied to a lot of different jobs in different fields and industries. I think sometimes too, I don't know if you found this, Sam, but you know, we see, I feel like a lot of times people know if they've talked to friends or even just seen people online that they admire their careers, whether it's LinkedIn or somewhere else they've heard about them or a podcast, uh, or just, you know, friends or former colleagues go and do something else. Like also think about those kind of 
interactions and people that you know and what they're doing, if it's attractive to you, because I think a lot of times what I like too about your story is you didn't say I should, like a lot of people think they should become a doctor or a lawyer because that's like a very solid career path and you know, you know where you're going. Um, but that was what a decision you came to based on those skills you liked to use. And so for people who are thinking like, oh, I should do this or that, I think it's better to think about are there people doing things you think is, you know, are really cool and you might want to try that yourself and then talk to them or write to them and try to figure out, is this something I might want to do? I think the hard part and where I find your story fascinating, and this is what so many people we know have a hard time doing, is the how do you convince, like, yeah, you can say, and there are people, you know, that are really good at this, like you're saying you were convincing people you knew how to do it, you could just figure it out. But that's hard to do. Like, that's hard to just even get an interview for something when you don't have experience in something. Do you have any advice for, like, if you thought about how you were able to do that and switch from one thing to another? I, you know, that's a good question. I, I think that my background helped to open a lot of doors because even if people were not, you know, they knew I didn't have the experience, but because my background was so interesting they were willing to take a chance and say, you know, I know you've never done this, but but you're you've done all this other stuff. So I really just kind of want to wanted to bring you in and talk to you and figure out like how we can make this work. I think the other aspect of the of the story that maybe doesn't come through is that I target kind of smaller companies and I always have. So I, I work well with kind of really small business owners, like almost every company that I've worked for has had maybe one person or two people at the top. There was never like a rigorous hierarchy at any point. And I think that makes, I I definitely think that makes a difference when you have someone like a real person to talk to and you can just have a conversation with them and say, look, you know, David, like I've never worked at an engineering company, but I can do all this other stuff. I guarantee I can learn how to do this. And sometimes it's just the confidence level is what they're looking for, or they're looking for the right type of person. And this is what, you know, this is how we hire at Career Valet. Like we want the right person for the team. Like we can teach you the skills as long as you have a good baseline, but we can't teach you how to be a good member of our team. Like you know, this isn't, this isn't the team for everybody. You know, it's the team for the right team members. So. I think that's such a good point. Yeah. I love that you said about the small businesses, because I do think that they have the appreciation for diverse experience and people who are entrepreneurial and kind of just figure things out and they're not going to be ruffled by like changes or being asked to do different things. Um, 
And that's where I think the bigger companies or organizations kind of miss the mark Mm -hmm. because they're just filtering through all these pieces of paper instead of actual people and getting to know what they could bring to the table. Um, So that's really interesting. And I think it's an important thing for people to think about when they are looking to do something entirely different is maybe you should try chart targeting smaller organizations or companies first and see how that comes out because that they will take more time to look at your application and see things like hey you know she's former marine corps that's so cool or how did she get into this toy company from you know publishing or whatever the the track was that can become a conversation piece and it's part of telling your story but that's harder to do and convince if you're making a major pivot let's say that is harder to show it's not impossible but usually you need some kind of an in i think where you know somebody to help push your resume forward if it's a bigger organization it's true and i will let everyone listening know i've applied to kind of big name companies over the years and never even gotten an interview. Like I've applied to places like Deloitte and, um, you know, the Nature Conservancy and the Annie Casey Foundation, you know, places where you would think that diverse experience and, you know, a law degree and kind of all of this other crap would make a difference. But I never seem to get past the the filter of, um, you know, what they're expecting to see. And to me, that's just a sign that that's probably not a good space for me anyway. You know, again, like I'm not good at following, I don't like rules and I don't like hierarchies. So those were probably, those would have been really bad places for me to go. I kind of like the freedom to be able to make my own schedule and figure out how I want to get the work done you know, obviously, like Marcel, you and I work together about, you know, timelines and deadlines and kind of, you know, the way that we work with our clients. But there is, for me, a lot of freedom and creativity in there as well. And you like you, you respect that and appreciate that. I think about all of us, um, all of us on the team, all of us writers. It is funny to hear because I definitely am a, what I would call a rule follower. But on the other hand, like when I see injustices, then I tend to ask for the rules to be broken or break them. So <laughs> it goes to your point about flexibility, right? I think that you can be creative and flexible and that's the right team for certain people. And maybe it's not right for other people, but it is super important these days. And I think, yeah, it's something that we were saying about the difficulty getting in the big companies. I had a similar experience where I had tried to get into management consulting for years and, you know, did the networking thing, did the applications online. I had like, you know, had my resume in the online systems, databases and never heard anything until... Um, the way I got into Booz Allen was I, you know, they had had my resume for years and nothing. And then I went to a career fair as part of my evening MBA program while I was working full time. And there was someone there who was an alum who worked 
at Booz Allen, but it's still, even then we had a great conversation, great rapport, but it still took me following up with her like several times on email and then on the phone. Like I remember leaving my office during the day just to call her in the courtyard to say like, did you get my resume? And then that day she actually forwarded it to HR and I literally got a call like a couple days later to come in for an interview but it takes a lot of work. So it's another point here, I think, too, is like, don't give up. If you really want something, find a way, find a person, have conversations, follow up respectfully, but persistently and try to make it happen. Because a lot of these bigger companies don't know what they're missing. And until you put yourself in front of them, they're not going to see it because they've just got thousands and thousands of candidates in this databases that they have to sift through. And chances are very few people are coming to the top. So you have to do it yourself. Yeah. I mean, stubbornness is a, an asset <laughs> when you're job searching or job hunting. Um, it's definitely okay. And we tell clients this all the time. It's totally okay. Not just okay, but like encouraged to follow up nicely, you know, after an appropriate amount of time, if it's been a week since you've applied for something, um, it's okay to send a follow-up email and say, Hey, you know, just wanted to follow up. Can I, is there any other information you need? You know, how else can I, you know, help you make the right decision (laughs) or however you want to phrase it. But I, I think what's important for people to know is that if you're trying to kind of pivot to something new and you're not sure, um, you know, definitely take a look at your skills kind of at a distance and say, you know, where else would these skills be useful or unusual enough in a new industry or in a new position that it might get me noticed? So, you know, that's something to think about if you're like, I don't know what to, you know, I know I want to move on, but I'm not sure where I want to go. And we, you know, we hear that from our clients a fair, a fair amount. You know, they're, they know that they're done doing whatever it is that they're doing, but they're still kind of not sure what they want to do when they grow up. So one way to do that would just just be to take like a hard look at your skill set and say, what am I really good at? What, you know, what are these things that I do? What I do, I still want to keep doing maybe just in a new way and then start your search from there. And the other thing is like, you cannot be afraid to fail. I mean, that's very important. Yeah. You, you have to, you have to be willing if you don't have to be happy about it, but you have to be willing to accept some level of risk in switching, you know, pivoting, changing to something new, doing something different. And maybe that risk is you get a ton of rejection letters. Maybe the risk is you, you know, you're going to make a lot less money or, um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know what the risk is for you, but there's always going to be some level of risk when you change and change is hard. So just being able to accept that is like mentally kind of step one. Absolutely. And I, the last piece I would add to that is that if you, and one way to do it is to kind of 
almost slot yourself in, even if you don't want to still be a project manager, you want to do something else, be a, if you were moving industries, say, like apply for project management roles, get in that way, and then figure out how to do something different once you're in. But you might have to take, you know, a lateral move or the same type of job just to get in and then figure out from there, especially if it's a bigger company, what you want to do. But that's kind of your open door. So take that risk to make the change, um, 100%. And I think next week's episode, which is Bitches Lead the Way, is going Yay. to be awesome. It's with career coach Danielle Droich, who's going to talk about finding different opportunities through your natural talents and your strengths and what you're good at. So that's really going to build on the conversation we had this week. Whether you're thinking about a pivot or not, this is an awesome conversation where she really drills down into questions you can ask yourself to help you figure out what those skills are and what you really want to be doing. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk to Danielle next week. And I know everyone's going to get so much out of that conversation. But it has been a pleasure as always, Marcel. And um, I will see you, talk to you next week. Sounds good. Have a good week. Bye. A new episode of Career Bitches drops every Monday morning to start your work week. And you can listen to us bitch on demand on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you find your podcasts. The Career Bitches are eternally grateful to our producer, Joe Tropea, at Hari Covert Productions, based in beautiful Baltimore City, for his bullshit-free feedback and constant support. We would also like to thank Micro Kingdom for their musical genius and providing our theme music. You can check out more of their extra cognitive spiritual magnetism at www.microkingdom.com.